The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin. I'm Tom Valentino, and making his long-awaited triumphant return, it's Travis Yuley. Trev, the people have missed you. I've missed you. What's up, man? Yeah, man, I've been jet-setting and bebopping and scatting all over the place. Uh, Bebopping and scatting, and we are losing it, folks. Nowhere interesting, but uh, yeah, good to be be back, man. You can hold down the fort pretty well. Well, we uh, we miss you, and it's uh, good to have you back in the fold. Um, and you are just in time for uh, the Indians' home opener. Uh, we're recording on Sunday night, so it is uh, opening day eve here in Cleveland, I suppose. Uh, had the, the three-game series up in Minnesota this weekend. Um, that uh, I would say these first three games kind of match the uh, the tenor of this entire offseason. Um, how, how are you feeling uh, as uh, we get ready to open up season number 25 at Progressive Field? Um, I don't know. I think probably I, I'm feeling probably you wouldn't think it if you followed me on Twitter um, and sort of seen my my reaction lately to sort of the team and, and sort of where they're at. But I don't know. I think I'm probably about the same place as everyone else. Um, I don't know. It's It's hard to get too excited because. Um, so, you know, since they made the World Series a couple years ago, uh, it seems like they haven't done a whole lot to sort of get over that hump. Um, we saw him sign Edwin, obviously, a couple years ago. We've had him the last two years, and that didn't really do it. And I think generally it just feels like even if they're pretty decent and they should be able to win the division, I don't know that anybody really feels like, you know, they're that much better or that they've, you know, done a whole lot to sort of, you know, take the next step which is i think probably frustrating to most everybody we've seen that sort of all over the place i think that's kind of the the biggest frustration in this and and what's sad about this right now is there were so many years where i think the public sentiment was down on the indians and and they were bad i mean you look at the records during those many active seasons here and (laughs) i know uh and we're not there Contrary to what you saw this weekend, um, or maybe didn't see, and if it was that, if that was the case, then maybe that's for the best. But uh, you know, it was just—I felt like the franchise just worked so hard to dig themselves out of that hole, and the public sentiment was so good over the last couple of years, and it's just all of a sudden this year. I mean, you—you just you run through the timeline here starting with the first week of October last season. I I think last year we kind of said that regular season wasn't particularly enjoyable, but it was like, all right, playoffs, let's go. This is what we've been waiting on. And obviously uh, they bombed there. Um, And I remember coming out of that, we said, you know, this team's going to look different. And, well, they do. Uh, But, I mean, since then, I think they – took off about 20 to $25 million off their payroll. They, you know, you mentioned bringing Edward in. I mean, they traded him out. Um, and I, I don't think there was a single player who was not previously on the team last year who was brought in and signed to a major league free agent contract in the offseason. Uh, there were glaring holes in the outfield that I don't think anybody feels particularly great about them being addressed. 
the two top starting pitchers in the rotation were very publicly shopped for most of the offseason. Uh, Trevor Bauer at one point got into a multi-day harassment of a uh, somebody who mouthed off at him on Twitter uh, to the point where he had to, uh, I think, be coerced into apologizing. That wasn't great. Um, we've had a Francisco Lindor injury a return and then another injury on the day before opening opening day. Um, what else? Uh, oh, uh, Paul Dolan telling us that he uh, flies in Black Sea on Southwest. And is that like a brand thing? You know, they wear the black sea hats, so he's in the the C group. Or uh, I, uh, I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. I think I think <laughs> I'm you're, giving him too much credit it. there. Yeah, um, he's not that creative. Yeah, um, which I'm sorry, that does not make you relatable. That just makes me think you're poor at planning. Well, lost if you're not going to spend that, the yeah. 15 bucks for the early bird check in, then the least you could do is like either you or somebody on your staff. Check in yeah, 24 hours in advance and right. He's got to have group. a secretary once he's, you know, he books that travel. Just send her a meeting invite for 24 hours before and say, hey, get me at least a decent seat here. Yeah, come on. That's just not a good look. And and then we get the follow up with the uh, enjoy him in re- regards to Francisco Lindor and his free agent uh, countdown clock ticking. And uh, the we're only going to give someone $300 million if other teams are giving out a billion. So uh, not great. It, it just hasn't been great. And you couple that with the trajectory that the Browns are on now. And man, it's just all that work that the Indians have done to, you know, win back the fan base and get people excited about baseball again in this town. It just, man, what a wet blanket of a six months we've gone through. And I felt like the best thing that could happen would be to start playing games. And then we come out this weekend in Minnesota and score five runs and strike out 39 times. And it's like, woof. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, there's obviously things to be excited about. Like the, the rotations probably the best in baseball. Um, The divisions not good. So they shouldn't even really be, I mean, some people think the twins might toss them. They might, hang around i think ultimately it'll probably end up being a pretty significant um gap at the end of the year you know between them and, and anybody else in the division and, and so that's I, the thing did, did they just kind of come to the realization that we can i'm speaking as if i'm uh the dolans here say hey we can spend 120 million dollars or maybe even less on our payroll and win the central division and take our chances in october or we could spend 140 plus million and win the division and take our chances in October. And there's, and once we get to the postseason, it's a crap shoot. So what's the point of splurging all this extra money? Cause it feels uh, like from the outside looking in, that's what it is. Yeah. I hope that's not, I hope that's not the mindset. I hope I, not either because it ain't a crap shoot. <laughs> No, no. I mean, I think the last two years kind of bear that out. Exactly. I think, I think, I think a lot of it is they are they're not an organization that's going to give a guy an eight, nine, ten year deal. We know that they're just not capable of doing it. Um, well, I mean, I guess anyone's capable. They're not willing to do it. Um, and at the same time, I I don't know. And I, I'm not one of these guys who follows like every transaction of baseball to see like what guys get. 
I haven't seen a whole lot of guys really sign elsewhere for like short, reasonable-ish priced contracts. Or I'm like, ah, damn, the Indians should have done that. And I'm sure they're all, I'm sure they're out there. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying I don't I don't really see any of them. There, but if there you're were thinking guys, the, like Marvin Gonzalez from you know we just saw him in Minnesota this weekend. That's a guy who absolutely tortured the Indians when he was playing for Houston last year in the division series and came at a very affordable price and was signed very late in the off season. I feel like um, sp- spring training was well underway. And, and I mean, those are the kind of guys. And, and to be honest with you, as a frustrated fan here, I'm not expecting an eight, nine, 10 year deal for anybody short of Francisco Lindor. Um, and if he wasn't already with the Indians, I, I wouldn't even be advocating for that for him. I just have a, an emotional attachment to him because he's our guy and he's been here and we've seen him come up through the system. Um, and frankly, I, I look at like the Bryce Harper contract or um, Machado and, you know, these guys, they're getting, what was Bryce Harper, like 13 years or something like that? Something, yeah, 13 years, 330. 30 i think so like 25 26 ish per okay so the 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 per per year value on that i think especially as you get into the back half of that contract and you would theoretically expect contracts to go up that's not going to look that horrible but in no universe do i ever want to commit 13 years to anybody that's insane I mean, you're one catastrophic injury away from being on the hook for a lot of money for a long time, and obviously I don't want to see that for him or any player, but that is that is just an outrageously long commitment. But And I don't think anybody here in Cleveland who's frustrated with the Indians is reasonably expecting them to be swinging for the fences with, with a 13-year deal for anybody like that, but you know, even if you're not naming names, you know, I think you were on the right track with there are guys on shorter deals who are in that maybe second and third tier of free agents who could probably help them. You know, I, I think it was I, the thing that really frustrated me is I felt like when we went into the offseason, we were told, well, there's a surplus of starting pitching here and there's a real deficit in the outfield, especially once you lose Michael Brantley. Um, it would probably make a lot of sense for the Indians to start shopping one of their starting pitchers to try to bring back a major league ready outfielder. And and I'm like, okay, that, you know, that makes sense. There's a lot of logic in that. You could sell high on one of these guys um, in your rotation and hopefully bring back somebody that can fill a, a massive need in the outfield. And then after they shed a couple other contracts, and they brought the payroll down, all of a sudden that felt like the conversation changed to, well, the payroll's come down enough now that uh, we're not going to have to trade one of these starting pitchers after all. And it's like, wait a minute, your outfield is still a dumpster fire. What, wh- where did that get solved, and, and when did that change? Did I miss something? No, but I think, I think probably something that we've seen the last few years, and it's probably what we're going to have to live with again this year, is the fact that they sort of fill some of these holes um, in the middle of the season, right? So they're going to make some trades and make moves along those lines. Um, we've seen that the last couple of years. Um, I just, I don't know. I I know when we hear like the way that the owner's been talking lately, and that has obviously not been great from a PR standpoint. Um, I, I think we just have to be realistic with what this 
organization, you know, what their philosophy is and how they approach this stuff. They're not, they're not someone who's going to go, uh, they're not a team that's going to go spend a bunch of money. And I mean, it may not sound like a bunch of money, but 10, if you want to go look at like Marwin Gonzalez, that's a, he's making 10 million a year. That's a pretty significant chunk of change for the Indians. Um, quite frankly, it doesn't seem, and I know we'll disagree on this and we might, it might be getting too far ahead of ourselves here, but they don't have the revenue to do it. Um, plain and simple. The, the numbers just don't bear it out. And we've, we've always heard historically, we've always heard from Indians fans. Well, well, they're garbage. You know, the team's no good. So I'm not going to pay to go see them. Uh, when they get good, come at, come talk to me. And well, they've gotten really good. People still aren't paying to go see them. So they've, when they've gotten, you know, the team to that point, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not one who tells anyone how to spend money at all. Um, but I also feel like if, if, if people aren't spending money to support their team, they can't bitch that the team's not spending more money either. Because relative to attendance, um, the Indians have one of the higher payrolls in the league. Um, and they have a damn good product on the field, and they still can't really do anything about attendance. So I, I know that's kind of a sidetrack from where we were at originally, and it's no, I'm glad probably you're something we're going to get into. It's no, just this is exactly where I want to go with this. They're not going to spend what the Red Sox spend. They're not going to spend what the Yankees or the Dodgers spend. We need we know that, right? We've accepted right. that, and we know. Let's be honest. We've known that when they were talking the Lindor contract last year, and they were throwing the hundred million dollar number out there, and he wasn't willing to take it. We know that they're not going to be able to afford to pay him. I'm not going to get bent out of shape because an owner now is quite frankly honest about something that's going to happen three years from now. Because um, if he came out and he said, you know what? Yeah, we really hope we can resign and we'd all be laughing because they're like, yeah, you're not bullshit. So, so I don't, he was, when asked that question, he's kind of damned if he did, damned if he didn't, right? Um, I, we'd love for him to say. To that- say when he turned the hundred million dollar offer down, was that the nail in the coffin for him staying? But, uh, it all comes full circle here. That's, that's a great plug. That's what we call uh, product placement in the business. Right, folks. Uh, <laughs> um, now, there's an easy way for Paul Dolan to answer that question. Are you going to try to resign Francisco Lindor? We're talking with his representatives. We love everything he does for us on the field. We love everything he does for us in the clubhouse. We love everything he does for us in the community. He's everything we want in a player in our organization, and we are going to do everything possible to try to resign him. I can't promise anything because it takes two to reach a deal, but we're going to do everything within our means to get it done. I think that acknowledges the fact that their means aren't enough. Everybody knows that, but uh, it, it at least tells your public that you're going to do everything to try. And I think you could phrase that in a way that's very clearly not – you know, it, it puts that message across without also going too far and putting the ball in his court to look like you're trying to put the player in a bad position. All right, let um, me ask you, if I if, if if I was a novice, if I wasn't an Indians fan and you were just bullshitting with some other baseball fan, right? And yeah. he's he's coming up to you and he, he finds out you're an Indians fan and he says, well, what, what do you think of, uh, you know, are they going to be able to re-sign Francisco Lindor? What would your answer have been? It's going to be really difficult. And when he says, all right, so so what do you guys do? What's your answer? Your answer is, well, I'm going to enjoy him for the next three years while we have him. Yeah, I mean, probably. 
but I'm so not the it, owner of the team. <laughs> right. And but... I, I want to get back to the other th- a couple other things that you said about that, though. Um, in terms of attendance, yes, they are not at the levels in terms of raw numbers of people through the gates that we saw in the mid-90s. But to be fair, that was also when this was a two-team town. We no, had I'm no Browns. I'm talking in relation to the rest of the league. Also in fair. Relation to the, in relation to the you're, rest you're of right, baseball, for attendance, based on attendance, they spend more on their team than just about anybody else, I think, other than the Red Sox. We need to bring in our friend of the show, Kevin Kleps from Cranes, to start talking numbers on this, but I'm almost certain they more than doubled their number of season ticket holders in the past five years or so. Basically, like five, six years, like if you kind of like – make the point of demarcation when Terry Francona was hired to manage. I think that was 2013. And you look at like what their season ticket base was. It was four figures well South of 10,000. And they have built a significant base. Like I saw, I think it was Cleveland scene saying like, what will their attendance be for game two this week? And will it be under 10,000? And, you know, they might end up having fewer than 10,000 people through the gates for that game. But Based on sheer ticket sales, uh, it'll it'll be a lot higher than that because um, they have they I know they still are pretty modest in terms of you know what they draw compared to the rest of the league, but they are light years ahead of where they were at the start of this run. So they have built up, and there are a lot more people coming out now than prior to this run of division titles. So I, I feel like that is at least worth mentioning. And the second point that I would make... Well, it, it, ter- really quick, on the same side of that, they're also spending a lot more than they spent at the beginning of this run, too. If you look well, back at, like, that's... 2013, they were spending, like, 70, 70-ish million. They're spending... Sure. Last year, they spent almost double that. So it goes both ways, too. They are spending a lot more than we're used to seeing them spend. Right. That said, I, and, and again, everything I'm saying here is not coming from the perspective of they should be carrying a 200 or a $250 million payroll. Uh, I, I don't think that, and I don't think that's realistic, but I also feel like they are very clearly in a contention window and it's closing. They're on the back half of it. Now time's running out. You're running out of opportunities to get this thing done. And you are in a position where if you're the Indians, you have one of the best starting rotations in baseball, if not the best, certainly one of the top two or three, I would say. And it is well below market value for pitchers of the caliber that the Indians have. You've got Lindor well below what he's worth. You've got Jose Ramirez well below what he's worth. The core of your team and the guys that are carrying you are all extremely affordable for the amount of value that they bring in. If you can't contend and you can't spend to support around those guys and you can't, you know, take the plunge now, then this might not be the business for you. And maybe that's not fair. And, and you know, maybe there's people in the Indians mahogany drenched offices at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario pounding their fist on a desk saying like, that's a bullshit take and you're so misinformed. But the information they give us and what I'm looking at, I'm sorry. It's just, it's extremely frustrating. And what we get to go on, you know, you can't 
cry poor and then not open your books. You know, I I don't know. I'm I'm going down a bad path here. It'll probably be something regrettable, but it's just it. Nobody wants to hear that from ownership. Like when the Cavs had their contention window, you know, you could say a lot of shit about Dan Gilbert, and a lot of it is completely justified. He never cut corners. He, ne- I mean, he. I think the Cavs at the one point had the highest payroll in the history of the NBA, and it's higher than what the um, the Indians are at now by a significant margin. And they were dealing with a smaller average attendance than what an Indians game gets and half as many home dates. Now, again, I know I'm comparing apples and oranges and people would tell me how off base that is, but you know, you go by the information that you're looking at and it's just, it, it, maybe that's not the best comparison, but nobody ever accused him of cutting corners and trying to like reduce the payroll when they were competing for titles. Oh yeah. I don't, that's, of all the things you can say about Dan Gilbert as an owner, that's that's the one positive thing. Um, if if not, I will make the I'll make the argument that if not for the greatest player of the last twenty years having an irrational love for Northeast Ohio and feeling a commitment to come back, I think he's one of the four worst owners in sports. You might um, be right, but at the same but, time, I'm going to tell you, I just I want to get this shot in right now. I think for a lot of years there has just been this assumption that you could, is, if you put LeBron James out there for your team, you could just throw out, you know, uh, whoever you want, the Three Stooges and whoever else has the supporting cast, and he's going to carry them. And I feel like if nothing else, like look at what has happened with him in Los Angeles this year, because that was a supporting cast that was not really well thought out and well constructed and they're going to miss the playoffs and it's not even close. And I don't want to hear about it all because now he's in the Western conference. That team this year had a better record. What's that? They're just bad. I mean, they are bad, but they had, I don't want to hear about the Western conference because they had a significant, when they got eliminated from the playoffs, they had a significantly better record playing against the West than they did against the East. And that was both with and without LeBron this year. They they yeah. just sucked this year. And this whole idea that like, oh, you can just, you know, obviously the Cavs without LeBron weren't going anywhere. And, and I get that. But, you know, I, I do think, and this is just getting way off the point of the Indians right now. <laughs> I do feel like the Cavs, you know, I, I they, what they did over the last four years, I feel like it was a little bit underappreciated. And in this whole notion that like, oh, LeBron will just carry anybody there. Maybe not. No, I don't think that's that's not necessarily what I'm pointing out. More, I'm more of the point that if you are lucky enough to have LeBron pick your team, you in order to get him, you have to be willing to spend a lot of money. I think that's an agreement he says he 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 makes with any team he goes to. Right? I don't think Absolutely. anybody thinks that. I don't think that the Lakers are afraid of spending money. Now they have missed on a couple guys that they probably wanted. Just a um, bit. You know, like Paul George and Anthony Davis, obviously they wanted to make those moves and those things didn't come to fruition. But um, the Heat were not afraid of going over the luxury tax. Obviously, Dan Gilbert was not afraid of going over the luxury tax. So that, so if you want LeBron and all the great stuff that goes along with him, yes, you have to be willing to spend more money. And it's going to cost is, you a lot of money. If you're gifted the Indian starting rotation and Lindor and Jose Ramirez at the numbers that they're at right now, the same terms of engagement to a certain degree need to apply. 
Yeah, I'll make I'll, I'll sort of counter your previous point where you said they maybe are in the wrong business. If you're able to get uh, identify Jose Ramirez, Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, all those guys at the point they were, and get them signed to the deals that they're on, you're absolutely in the right business. You okay, should be. You should be. You should be building a baseball roster. Um, but there there comes a certain point, and I think they did. We saw them. The payroll a couple of years ago was over 140 something. I don't it know was exactly one four, what it was. But. I looked at spot track today. It was the payroll for last year was 142 million and the payroll for this year is 119. Okay. So they cut about 20, 22, 23 million. Yeah. Um, truthfully, I think we expect, or they expected, they expected revenue to sort of follow their payroll, right? So when they signed, they went to the, the World Series, they signed Edwin. And they got a, a decent, you know, a decent bump in ticket sales. Not huge because they were still, I think, like 22nd in the league, but they got a decent bump. Had a good season again, won 102 games. Um, now they got bounced early, and that's sort of the nature of baseball playoffs is they can be kind of fluky. And like you said, it's kind of a crapshoot once you get to the playoffs, right? Because every team that's there is really good. And you need to, just need to hope that your bats show up. And your arms show up, and sometimes that doesn't happen. So they spent a little mm, bit more money last mm, year. Go on. <laughs> what you don't you don't think that 2014 or 2014 the team not from last year but two years ago that lost to the Yankees, won 102 games. I think they were had third most runs in the league and the league's best ERA. That was a, that was a fluky series, but yeah. last year last year oh last year they just got out class they just got out class last yeah no don't disagree with that but they did spend more money last year and they had worse attendance than okay. they did the year before. Um, I think, and, and Kleps said this said this in his article, and he, he obviously doesn't know, none of us do, none of us know exactly where their financial situation is, right? But he said, it's possible that the Indians are losing money. Now, we don't know if that's true or not, but I do think that means it's safe to say that if it's possible that they're losing money, it's probably likely that if they're making money, there's not much of it. So if you're looking at how much money they have to spend and they already were, you know, they'd already increased spending by like 30% over the last couple of years. And there was a chance they were losing money. I don't know how you can expect them to spend more. Yes. I understand that there's a window and all that stuff that goes along with it. There's still at the end of the day, they are running a business and people are like, oh, they're billionaires. Owning a billion dollar asset isn't the same as having a billion dollars. People think just because you own this team that's very valuable, you can just pull money out and start paying people with it, right? Sure. It's not the way it works. And I just, I don't know. It, it's, and I'm, I don't want to be this guy who's like constantly defending the Dolans, but <laughs> everyone who is screaming and right, pounding the table that they need to go spend more money isn't spending money themselves. So again, I'm not the guy to tell people how to spend their money. I won't tell people listening to this who are just Indians fans how to spend their money. And I won't tell a guy how to spend his money when he, for all intents and purposes, runs the best organization in town and still gets the most shit by a lot. Okay. And you know what? I'm going to fully admit to the fact that I've probably had more regrettable hot takes in the last 30 minutes or however long we've been doing this now than (laughs) I've had in probably the previous 140 whatever episodes that we've done. 
Um, who, but I'm just, I'll, I'll I'm, ask this. Anybody that's listening, who went into 2016 super pumped about the Indians lineup? I, Nobody. We're all like, oh, they were pretty bad last year. They got some guys that are going to be decent. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll be able to do something. And then they were an out away from the World Series or from winning the whole thing, right? Yeah. So they've shown that they can make, that they can, you know, sort of come out of nowhere and make moves that, that help them. Sort of yeah. in the middle of the season, we saw it with the Andrew Miller move a couple years ago. That obviously was huge. Um, we saw it two years ago with. Jay Bruce. I don't know that we expected that to be a huge deal. He played pretty damn well. He had a huge home run in the playoffs. Like, yeah, obviously they're still a first round out, so it's not. We don't look back on it super excitingly, but you compare 2016 to this year. I think there's a consensus that there are three other teams that have passed the Indians by in the intervening years and have clearly separated themselves from the rest of the American League. And I don't disagree with that. So I, I, you know, yeah, I mean, if we were playing against the 2016 American League, sure, you could you could make that case again, and I think you know you could make the case that this Indians team could go win that 2016 American League. I don't know that they could win the 2019 American League with what Houston looks like and what the the Red Sox and the Yankees are built like now. Um, and you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's. It, you're right. And the three teams were were thinking Houston, Yankees, Red Sox, right? We're all in agreement on that. Sure. Yeah, they draw about a million more people than the Indians do. <laughs> I don't know how you, you expect think, them. Right, to, let me ask you I this. don't know how you expect them to keep up with them. And they, I guarantee the Yankees make a lot more off of their TV deal than the Indians do. The they funny do, thing that we're like, finding now, people are crushing this Indians TV deal right now. When they first signed it, everyone's like, "Oh, this is all like." And this is a great move out of the Dolan. So they want to spend that money. Oh. <laughs> God, if those two guys didn't turn out to be such trash, we would, wouldn't, I don't know. <laughs> they finally spend money, money, right? And they spend it really poorly. Like that's like, <laughs> that's a different show for a different day, I think. Right. Um, but, uh, no, I, but here's the thing that like, among the many things in this episode that frustrate me is, you know, think back to like some of those quotes we saw from the players coming out of that Houston series. And I think it was Clevenger in particular who was talking about how much better prepared Houston was versus the Indians. And you hear about the Astros advanced scouting and their analytical staff and, and just, you know, a lot of the things they were doing in their scouting reports and how much better prepared they were for the Indians than the Indians were for the Astros. And that's the shit that drives me up the wall because it's like, you're not, if you're the Indians, I get it. You're not going to be able to compete on things like, you know, player payroll, and you're not going to be able to afford the $30 million a year guys. And maybe you can't even afford the $10 million a year free agents, but you know, the, the kind of things that like pissed off the players there, I feel like that's, that's attainable. And, and we're not doing that either. Do we know that they're not doing that? They doesn't seem. I, I don't know that for a fact. But when you've got players that are cleaning out their lockers the day after getting swept and losing a series twenty-two to six, saying how much you know, openly talking about how much better prepared the other team was than you, something was amiss. Okay, but we don't know that they haven't addressed that in the off season, do we? I hope they did. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things we also don't know about. Um, 
And yeah, I'm with you. I, I think there's there's other stuff like that that's sort of it's it's probably should be more prominent than it is. But as fans, all we look at is who's on the field. We just want them to put better players out there. And I don't think. And yeah, is is I know I sound like the uh, like the Dolan apologist here, and and to an extent, I probably am just because. God, there's so many dumb people on Twitter. Uh, um, but I've probably been reading too many of them over the last few days because they're they're the loudest ones. That's the problem. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I, I look at this outfield and I'm I'm just disgusted that we're going to waste that. It feels like we'll be wasting this season, right? We've got Lindor, we've got Ramirez, we got Lindor for three more years. We got Jose Ramirez on a maybe the best contract in all in baseball. Um, and, and this loaded staff, right? And we don't have a single guy in the outfield that belongs in a major league outfield. <laughs> or at least that's how it seems. Or that's how it feels to me. Um, yeah, that's that's frustrating that we're at that point. But I also look at like the, the names that are out there, and I, I'm not I'm not baseball guy. Like I don't know every guy in the league, right? And how good they actually are, and whether they're worth signing and all these things. Like, I just don't know them that much. It's, it's so analytical now that yes. I'm not able to keep up with it. Like guys from other teams, if I haven't seen them play and, you know, maybe the only time I saw them was they like played the Indians, like Marlon Gonzalez. Yeah. He was good last year for three or four games. I saw him, but it doesn't like, it doesn't stick in my head as like, this is a the guy they need to go get. Um, so I, I rely a lot on, um, I don't know. Some of the guys that we've had on here, like TD Derry, I listen to him who he says typically if he says yeah this would be a great guy to go sign that's i just kind of take his word for it um but i like i i just i don't know maybe i don't know maybe i'm just brainwashed and i've just convinced myself that this is how it is and so i don't try to fight it um it, it just it stuns me so much that people refuse to enjoy a team that by all accounts is is pretty good it's not as good as we probably want it to be, but for, I don't know, for what we're used to and what we've had over the years, like the maniac years and things like that, I almost, I almost think if they didn't make the World Series in 2017, 16, 2016, people would be happier. Hmm. That got everybody like, okay, we're really close. Now let's like get over the hump. I think if they were, you know, if they lost in the divisional round, no one would really be that angry. We'll never know for sure. Yeah, we definitely will. Do you not. think? Do you think that there is just a uh, a stigma attached to the Dolan ownership group at this point? Yeah, I, yeah. Because I, I do. just, I think, like you know, we just, we, and I'm a hundred percent guilty with where I've steered this conversation tonight. But, like, I feel, you know, there's just certain conversations that, you know, patterns that we fall into as a fan base. Like, you know, how many years have we, like, talked about Kevin Love and has Kevin Love been talked about in Cleveland as anything other than, like, what's his trade value? Well, got to trade Kevin Love. And it's like he's just wrapping up now his fifth year in town and his extension hasn't even kicked in yet. He's, you know – he's been here a while now for all the trade talk, but yet it doesn't stop people from like, well, got to trade Kevin Love. You know, the, the Chief Wahoo thing forever. It, it Every 
stupid ass discussion about Chief Wahoo. It, it comes down to he's racist. You got to get rid of him. You know, oh, he's not racist. You got to keep him. And it's like there's plenty of other good reasons to replace a logo, you know, that's 70 years old. And, and But it's like, no, we have to fall in that car. And it's like you talk about the Indians as a franchise and like what is the go-to conversation? It's it's like putting the Dolan spending habits on trial. And I just wonder if like, you know, you, you said like there hasn't been enough of a bump at the gate with them you know, being as good as they've been over the last few years. And I just, you know, would different ownership change anything about that? Or is it just gone at this point? Well, that's the the one concern I have. And this is probably what where I disagree with everyone the most on Twitter is everyone says, oh, you know, Dolan's, Dolan's are cheap. They got to sell. I'll tell you this. If, if Kleps is right and the Indians aren't making that much money, let's just assume that their profits aren't that big. Maybe we're not ready to acknowledge or accept that or, you know, take their word for it that they're losing money. Let's just say that we accept their their profits are negligible, right? If someone else comes in and spends a billion dollars to buy a team in a city where winning on the field doesn't increase profits, they're not going to spend more money. They're going to cut payroll so they can make a profit. That's why people spend a billion dollars. So all these people who think that you're going to get one of two things, right? Unless people come out, and this is entirely possible if a new ownership comes out and suddenly fans get super excited because they think they're going to spend money, maybe ticket sales increase, and then the team actually can't afford to spend more money. That's possible. But on the other end, if attendance stays where it is and they're barely making money now, they're cutting payroll so they can make more money or they're moving the team somewhere else. So... I'd be very cautious to, to to start screaming about how the Dolans need to scrap and get rid of the team and sell it to someone else because I'm pretty confident most of the outcomes, if that happens, aren't going to be ones that fans like. And so when I look at how they're handling things now, they're an incredibly well-run organization. They're in a small market, and they do the absolute most with the revenue they have. We should probably be happy that we have a team that's run as well as it is given the resources they have available to them. Hmm. Because I don't know many many billionaires that throw, that spend a billion dollars and then are okay flushing more money down the toilet. That's not how you, that's not how you become a billionaire. Just makes you wonder at a certain point, like how much they enjoy this. Obviously they have to. The Dolans? Yeah. I mean, well, like you say, like they run this really great organization, and at the same time, they take a beating in the court of public opinion every year. And and it's funny you mentioned like not, everybody it, talks about Gilbert, and they're like, "Oh, Gilbert's not afraid to spend money." Does anyone think Dan Gilbert runs has a good organization in place? We're gonna find out in the next four years. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean. We we saw it without LeBron, and he had, you know, it's a little different, I guess. All he had really was Kyrie then, but um, he was cheap, and they were terrible. That's the story when LeBron's not here. Well, He's cheap, and they lose a ton. I, and I, I guess don't totally agree with the, that. Basket, the first, basketball's different because you, I mean, let's be I honest. Mean, he there's paid, only a couple he paid teams. 20, he paid $29 million for Baron Davis to, to get uh, the ninth best lottery odds. 
you know, and it just happened to turn into Kyrie that that first year. Um, he, you know, their their payroll wasn't what it was during their contention years. But if there were opportunities, oh, the first the first year without LeBron, they were the fourth lowest payroll in the NBA. Yeah, but they also, I mean, the Baron Davis thing tells me that he wasn't necessarily the, you know, he he was willing to take shots at things, even you know, despite the odds. But I mean, that that's getting into another another discussion for another day. Um, I don't know. I just, you know, you, you just kind of to finish my point before is, you know, the the Dolans by all accounts run a a good organization. Um, they get crapped on constantly locally. Um, you know, the comments from ownership from the last couple of interviews that Paul Dolan has done have started making national headlines and, um, you know, I think Sports Illustrated included them at like number one on their list of uh, cities that should be boycotting their MLB teams based on you know different things. Um, and you know, you could you could That's make of that thing. what you will. Someone made a list of that. Yes, they had like five team, five cities that should be boycotting their Major League Baseball franchises. Um, and I didn't even read the other four because the Indians were at the top of the list and. They basically used those, uh, you know, the the Southwest uh, uh, Group C and uh, enjoy him uh, while we have him. Quotes from Paul Dolan to you know, make their uh, their thesis for that, um, you know. And I, I think like uh, one of the other you know national morning shows kind of uh, dragged him for it, and uh, Bill Simmons on his podcast was laughing at him about it, and. You, know, you can think what you want to think about those guys, but the, all, every one of those platforms is national with, you know, hundreds of thousands uh, of uh, listeners or viewers or readers in their audience. And, you know, that that's a bad look. That's not how you want your organization to be perceived. And, you know, that's how you're, that's how you're being viewed right now. And like you said, if the Indians are not losing money, they apparently probably aren't making very much either. So it's like, what the hell is in it for them at this point? Yeah, it was interesting in that one piece, though. He he kind of said, like, he doesn't really listen to any. He doesn't read about the team. He doesn't. He, he That's probably for the best. He kind of insulates himself from all the criticism. So I don't know if it's if it's necessarily even not enjoyable for him. Um, it, it's They're obviously very cyclical, right? We've seen it. They, go, they, they do go up and down. And this is sort of what... Um, what they've done historically, right? We have a few years where they're hit, where they have, you know, a core of players that they lock up and, and, and make as many runs as they can with it. And this one's probably, you know, only going to last maybe another year or two, because he says he, they have control of uh, Lindor for three more years, but I guarantee, I don't, I find it hard to believe they're actually going to have him for three more years. Yeah. That, that, seems less likely by the day. I mean, I've seen some whispers of people saying like, Oh, they should try to flip him this year. I think that would be. That's probably jumping. Yeah. That's probably jumping a little too soon. Yeah. That, you you want to talk I, about something that would kill the town. That, that would be it with number one with a bullet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird though. You have to, and we've seen moves like that where people think the same thing. And it turns out that it was actually the right move. You know, you can't really judge those things right up front, but, um, I think it's just it's from a baseball standpoint, right? We, we've been hearing about Lindor since the day he was drafted, and yep. to see him come up through the system, and we were we waited, right, and we were patient with him, and he's been everything we wanted and more, right? And he's got sure. just he's the 
just insanely remarkable, right? He's super likable. Not only is he a great player, but he's just a guy that you watch playing and you're like, I'm really damn glad this guy's on my team. And at the same time, you sort of have to just sort of reconcile it with yourself that, well, well, for now, he won't be here for much longer. Um, how much can we get, how much, how much can we actually do while he's here? Right. And I can, I can totally understand the frustration behind not feeling like we're actually getting any closer and almost feeling like we took a step back. Cause I think objectively we're probably, we're worse than last year. We are. Um, I mean, you can hope that the pitching takes a, a little bit step forward from, you know, the two guys on the back end of the rotation, but overall we're not as good as we've been the last three years. And you're right from the perspective that if, if the window is there, you have to keep trying to get better um, until that window closes. I just don't know that they, um, I don't know if they were losing money the last couple of years, I, I can understand why they finally felt like they had to dial it back. Yeah. It's just, this sucks because like, you know, you enter the season, you've got the pitching staff. I mean, the starting rotation, I think there's some major questions on the bullpen. Um, you've got a, a good core of position players outfield, notwithstanding, um, you know, you're in an eminently win- winnable division. You've got the all-star game here in town. And at the same time, it just feels like, and you're coming off three division titles and a pennant. And, you know, this should be an exciting time. And instead, you know, it, it's the, the biggest deal in town tomorrow uh, on the, you know, start of, you know, the, the home opener. It's the Browns introducing Odell Beckham Jr. a couple hours earlier at their headquarters. And, you know, it, it just, it, it, it feels, and it's weird how we have, you know, five inches of snow outside. And I was building snowmen out in my yard with my daughter this morning. And it felt uh, pretty apropos for the general tenor of the town, considering there's supposed to be baseball here tomorrow. And, you know, it, it shouldn't be like this, I guess, is my, my point. And, and yet here we are. Yeah, it's it's tricky. I just I don't know. I think I'm, I I sort of try to be of the mindset where I'm not gonna like criticize and, and get really pissed off about stuff if I don't have like a better idea or I don't you know here's what I think they should be doing, and that's kind of where I'm at with them. I don't. It's hard for me to say yeah you need to spend a lot more money even though even when you do spend a lot more money you don't really get anybody else to support you. Um if someone had a great product out there that they were trying to sell, right. And no one bought it. Would you tell them, yeah, keep investing more money in it. <laughs> it's fair. And I will tell you now, even in the moment that, so help me God, if anybody digs this episode up 10 years from now, uh, everything that you have stated uh, in the last 45 minutes plus is going to be a lot less regrettable uh, than the, the opinions that I've put forth. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm disappointed. I'm I'm frustrated, and we had a feeling it was going to be a bumpy off season going into it, and I think it was worse than anybody would have expected. And you know, just at this point, you know, you need to see something good on the field, and at least through three games, we haven't. And you know, that's entirely too early, especially when they're playing in forty degree weather. But uh, 
I don't know. Hopefully things turn around here and, and we get something good to feel about on the field and we can start putting this stuff behind us and, and we're not still having these conversations three months from now at the All-Star break. Yeah. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll see sort of see how the season goes. Um, obviously, like we said, sort of the last couple of years, they have their improvements other than Encarnacion, their improvements have largely come in the middle of the season, right before the trade deadline. So we'll see if they do that again this year. I don't, I, I know they've, I think their farm system's in decent shape. It's another one of those things. I don't, I don't track minor league baseball and, you know, prospect rankings and all that stuff. Um, but the season has started off about as poorly as it could from, from a perspective standpoint for, um, for Indians fans. Cause not only, did the owner say that stuff? They came out and they got shut out the first game of the year, right? Right. Um, Kluber threw a gem. They only gave up two runs that they scored zero themselves. So it's like, God, there's going to be a lot of those games. And then you see guys like Brantley Homer on opening day. Yanni Diaz is hitting the cover off the ball the last couple of days. Um, it's just been literally everything that could go wrong from a, a fan perception standpoint has for the Indians so far. And it's only three days old. So. Well, here's we'll hoping that they, yeah, yeah, let's hope things turn around and uh, let's hope they get active at the trade deadline because that's pretty much a quiet point of the sports calendar otherwise. And we need stuff to fill episodes on here. And they've been very good to us in uh, late July, early August, as far as that goes the past few years. And I would be welcoming that with open arms again, uh, summer 2019. Yep. Let's, let's, uh, we have opening day tomorrow, so that'll be fun, but you're not coming up for that, are you? No, no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> Based on your experience, what was that, last year or two years ago? I can't imagine yeah, why. Yeah, would... two years ago. Um, eh, I'm over that at this point. Yeah. What are you going to do? Just, just still, I mean, I'm, I don't know, I'm generally glad that baseball is back. And I, maybe I just don't want to spend the whole season pissed off and miserable about a team that's probably going to win the division and make the playoffs. Um, I just want to kind of enjoy it. I don't know. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. I, I've I've said all I can say about this. I've probably said said too much. So what do you say we uh, put this one to bed? We'll wrap it up. Take it home. All right. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We are on Stitcher, the TuneIn app, and uh, also on waitingfornextyear.com. Uh Working on something fun for an episode, uh, I don't know, maybe either later this week or maybe sometime early next week. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, in the meantime, go check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Nail Podcast. And uh, we are uh, at The Nail Podcast on Twitter as well. So that will do it for us for this episode of The Nail. For Travis Julie, I am Tom Valentino. It's been The Nail in the Coffin, and we'll talk to you again soon. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous 
odds makers and influencers. Every episode of Double Down with Breslow is packed with insider tips, deeply skilled analysis, and in-depth discussions. Don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting. Listen to Double Down with Breslow on the Evergreen Podcast Network or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Double Down with Breslow, the business of sports betting podcast.